Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Friday, Pharrell's doling out minutes on the mahogany, waxing it up on the bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out. The bad seed, the broken eight, the bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad lot, bad dude, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell Palatial right across the river into the woods from where Granny just went out and picked up some fresh satchels of hybrid french toast number one and you don't need no syrup with it baby in new york city the big apple Ooh. people dress in plastic bags the red and traffic some kind of fashion shake it up should do all my finna come around flat to flat to party up rats on the west side bed bugs uptown what a mess this town's tight my brain's splattered all over manhattan should be shake it Hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell with Mafia, and it is now 6-1 to one Dodgers in Game 3 of the World Series. And Barnes just hit a solo shot to left center. He also had a huge RBI uh, bunt. He uh, bunted in a run, and uh, so he's having a big game. And I got to tell you, uh, the Dodgers lit up Charlie Morton. I can't even believe it, right? That guy's never lost a playoff game with the Rays. He's been unhittable. He won game six against the Astros, or seven against the Astros, uh, and was untouchable. And then uh, you just go into this game tonight. I thought for sure that it'd be a great game with Bueller and Morton, and it was all Bueller, and he's been dominant, and Morton got absolutely smoked. They have hit him every which way but loose. Turner hit a home run. He's got a double into the corner. Bats is doing things. I mean, they are all just raking. I can't even believe how long they left him in the game. What was Cash thinking? It was 5 nothing, and he was still out there pitching. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. I just want to go back in time so I can tell you what happened. So Turner homered to left. That was uh, the first run. That was in the first. And and you knew uh, he just absolutely crushed this ball, almost 400 feet, whatever. And then, you know, uh, you go to the uh, third inning. Muncie singles to deep center. Seeger and Turner score. It's 3 nothing. So Muncie's raking. Then uh, Barnes with the sacrifice bunt. Bellinger scores, Peterson to second, then Betts singles up the middle, Peterson scores, it's 5 nothing, and then you get the uh, home run from uh, Barnes after Adamas had a double uh, to left and Margot scored. So it was uh, 5-1 when Barnes hit the homer to center, 425 feet. That made it uh, 6-1, to but I just want you to uh, see here what it was like. Morton, four and a third, seven hits, five earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts, and a home run. And just a just absolutely terrible. I have never once ever seen that guy pitch that badly in a game, let alone a playoff game or a World Series game. And no one can deny it, right? Like the guy has been lights out and like I said, with Tampa, he's never lost a playoff game. So he's been there, what, two years? And he's he's won every game he ever pitched until tonight. And he got his ass beat tonight. But I just think, uh, you know, and then you look at the other side, and, and Bueller has just been unbelievable, uh, in my opinion. Five innings, two hits, one earned run, one walk, seven strikeouts. And uh, he's basically throwing nothing but strikes. And he's working quickly. You know, the old uh, pitching coach, uh, Ray Miller, former manager and pitching coach, mostly pitching coach extraordinaire, manager in Baltimore, but I never thought he was a great manager. But as a pitching coach, he could do it. It was uh, work quickly, uh, throw strikes, and change speeds. You know, uh, that was his philosophy. Work quickly, throw strikes and change speed. So the guy, if you watch him, in my opinion, this guy Bueller just absolutely works on a pace that is so, you know, really not even regular in terms of like when you watch baseball nowadays, in my opinion, I've always said it's like morphine, right? 
these guys take forever to throw a pitch. And the batters take forever to get ready in the box. And they just step out of the box. They start playing with their gloves. They play with their helmet. They dig in. They look down at the third base coach for no reason whatsoever. Uh, And then they start their little, uh, you know, bat twirl. And then they finally get ready for the pitch. It takes like four minutes per pitch. And it's just ridiculous. And then you get a guy like Bueller that comes along. And he just walks out there and just absolutely is on just like cocaine. He's pitching so fast. The guy's out there just stepping into everything. He just walks right up there, puts his foot on the rubber, and brings it. He says he, I was listening to Smoltz and and Joe Buck talk about how he uh, pitches after basically Justin Verlander was his model. That was the guy he wanted to be uh, when he was coming up. And that's his, you know, M.O. He just steps in and, and just brings it. And that's it. But we all know what he's got. He's got, you know, a wicked fastball. And then he's got uh, filthy uh, off-speed stuff. His curveball bites. And he's just striking out guys left and right. I think he's got another one now, seven or eight. I mean, he's just mowing through batters. First of all, you know, the first guy up every inning uh, is just, doomed it's like it's an automatic out i mean he every guy up the whole game the first batter in every inning he throws a strike right out of the box and then the guy's behind the eight ball and then he just works him to death and strikes him out uh they finally got a hit in the fifth inning it's the first time they got a hit i mean this game has been over in my opinion literally since turner hit the home run in the first inning because they've never looked back right and they didn't tie them at all. They were down five to one. You know, that was their first run when it was five zip. And then they, Adamas drives in a run and they finally get on the board. But it was Margot had the first hit. And then Adamas, the second hit. Those are the only two hits. Two hits in the game. That's it. It took them five innings to get a hit. This game was over in the first inning. I mean, it really was. Because they have just built on that lead. And I have to tell you, like, no offense. I get it. I'm sure everyone in L.A. is loving it. It's the greatest thing ever. And they're just enjoying it and just soaking it in. And uh, it's just a blast to watch the Dodgers uh, kicking ass and taking names. And I congratulate them on all that. That's fine. It's just that uh, I'm just telling you, like, I I was like watching the game. Honestly, I I was like I was on heroin. I, I literally was on my couch. I was seeing double. It was so boring. Mafia, you cannot tell me in once, not even once, that this is entertaining. I mean, this is so boring. Honestly, I've had more fun in a traffic jam in L.A. on the 405 picking my nose for two hours. I have sat in traffic in Los Angeles. I lived there for 10 years. I've sat in traffic jams and had more fun listening to the radio and listening to music with the sunroof open getting rays than watching this baseball game. It's so boring. Oh, my God. I'm just like, oh. I, I tried to watch the Wisconsin game. I, I, I wanted to kill myself. That was even worse. I tried to watch the Tulsa game. That was even worse. Uh, there's nothing. You're telling me the best game is the UAB Blazer football game? I mean, you got to be kidding me. This is my worst nightmare tonight is that everything that was on was a blowout or was terrible or was boring or all of the above. 
Yeah, it's the worst when you have a bunch of games and none of them are that good. I mean, like you said, baseball is tough enough to watch in this day and age and how long it takes, how slow it is. I know all the things they do to try to speed it up, blah, blah, blah. Still boring. Still boring of all the biggest four. Still the hardest to watch. Doesn't matter playoffs or not. But then you get in a situation, like if you have a pitcher's duel back and forth where, you know, who's going to blink, who's going to make the first mistake? Okay, it's interesting. Where both teams going back and forth scoring runs? Okay, it's interesting. One team clobbering the other one is not interesting in any case whatsoever. Right, like, I get it. I mean, if that's your team, you're happy, so fair enough. And I'm not stupid on that uh, point, but I'm just like, this is not a pitching duel. (laughs) This is uh, pitching dominance by Bueller over Morton, and this game has been over since the jump. I mean, you don't think for one minute they're coming back in this game, do you? Down five runs? I mean... They can't even get a hit, let alone score five runs. I mean, how are they? You tell me. How are they going to score five runs? How are they going to do it? Besides the fact that they aren't. They're not going to do it. How is it that this is entertaining in any capacity? Like, you want to know why? Like, I've already told you, the first two games are the lowest rate in in World Series history. And, uh, you know, I I thought the first game was bad. And then uh, this one's just as bad. I mean. I guess what was the second game better? I didn't think that was good either. Wasn't that pretty much all Rays? And then uh, they, you know, they held them off, whatever. But I, you know, I don't uh, argue with anyone that says the whole World Series has been boring. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's been bad. It's been one side of one way or the other for the most part. The Dodgers made a little bit of a comeback in game two, but it hasn't been interesting either way. And it's one thing if, you know, there's getting some hits here, there in the Rays and just leaving guys on base. Bueller's dominating him so much. He's still got only like 87 pitches, so it's not like he's going to get ripped out too early. They might get the bullpen for the 8th and the ninth, but I don't see it happening and come back right now with the way that they're not hitting. I'll give you this, that uh, Game 2 was 6-4 to four raise. It was it was a little bit better than this. But Game 1 was 8-3 Dodgers. That was terrible. Worst rated uh, Game 1 ever. And then Game 2 was a little bit better. Game 3 tonight is it's just... It's not better. It's just terrible. Like, I'm not, like, getting into it at all. Like, I've been sitting here just, like, watching this game, and I've had it on the whole night, and I'm just, like, I've had more fun at church, honestly, at Mass. I I mean, I've had more fun taking communion. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, for on the bench, Mafia's got me on this UAB Louisiana game now, and UAB's up twenty to ten on Louisiana with three and a half minutes left in the third. I took UAB in this game. They're up. Uh, the Raging Cajuns have the ball down ten, three and a half left in the third, and then uh, the other games uh, going on uh, have not been uh, very competitive at all. All blowouts, I guess you could say. Uh, Tulsa's blowing out uh, South Florida 42-13 early in the fourth. And then Wisconsin uh, at the start of the fourth up 28-7 on Illinois. And UAB, I told you, is up 10. And Jacksonville State beat FIU. So Florida International uh, loses to Jacksonville State 19-10. I had Jacksonville State with the spread. And I have UAB... Uh, and then I took Wisconsin to win Illinois plus 20. And they're down uh, one right now with the spread added. And then uh, South Florida getting whacked. That game is over last night, of course, 45-17 Appalachian State over uh, Arkansas State. We're going to have uh, Matt Peralt on uh, in the second hour from Sports Map Radio. We'll talk to him uh, from Vegas, uh, what he thinks of all the college and pro games this weekend coming up in the second hour. So the big story tonight before the show was um, Antonio Brown signing a deal to play for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So he gets a one-year deal, and you know people can think whatever they want. I- I'm not going to react to uh, the alleged experts and the alleged know-it-alls and the alleged geniuses. And the alleged uh, reporters, the the insiders or whatever else you want to call them. Everybody's uh, uh, got all the answers. I know this, though. Here's the deal. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, I I know he's a head case. I know he's, uh, you know, lost his mind playing in the NFL. So I think this guy used to be, you know, just an absolutely great player and teammate. And then money. Uh, ruined him and his ego and his uh, he's a narcissist. The guy's a complete freak. Like he just became so selfish. It wasn't even funny. The Steelers couldn't deal with him anymore. And then he obviously he went to never, never land and uh, he moved around a little bit, whatever, you know, eventually he played for the Patriots for five minutes, scored a touchdown that took all of about two minutes. And then they got rid of him. He has all kinds of, you know, problems off the field. I get it. His legal uh, woes uh, withstanding. Uh, He's had all kinds of issues with the, you know, popo and the courts and with women and with, you know, domestic stuff with children, with, you know, you name it. He's freaked out on people. He threw furniture off a balcony, got in trouble. He's had nothing but problems. I get all that. That's fine. And uh, I think everybody knows is for the most part, his history He's you know, basically gone off the deep end mentally. Uh, people started asking if he was crazy or if he had CTE or, you know, if he'd taken a bunch of shots playing and you know, the headshot he took in Cincinnati in the playoffs that it, it had all caught up with him and he started doing bizarre things in life off the field. And then even at work, he started being problematic with uh, Tomlin and everybody in Pittsburgh. And then 
basically wherever he went, you know, Raiders that lasted for five minutes. So, you know, I said on the, on coast to coast, if he would have gone to Seattle, it would have made them unstoppable. I already think with Metcalf and Lockett and, and Russell Wilson, they can play with anybody. They can, they can win against anybody. They can beat anybody, but you know, they were talking, I think one of their problems was, is that they let it out of the bag that they were uh, interested in him. Uh, and that, you know, yesterday they were in the lead when Schefter broke the story that he was going to uh, come back into the league now that his suspension's over, that in week nine or whatever it is, that he was going to, you know, first in line was Seattle. And that, you know, they admitted that they were close. And Pete Carroll admitted it. And, you know, Russell Wilson was talking about him. Everybody was talking about Brown in Seattle. And then bottom line is what happened is Tampa Bay stole him. They got him in there. They cut a deal. And that was that. And I think that uh, you can be rest assured it was Brady that wanted him. And I think that part of that goes, and this is all just off the top of the head. I think a lot of that has to do with Godwin being injured a little bit. You know, he's been on and off the field. And uh, Mike Evans is a great receiver, and he's had some issues with his hammies and everything. But he's played through it, right, for the most part. And then uh, they finally started, uh, I think, throwing the ball to Gronkowski, which Arians doesn't seem to like to throw to tight ends. Uh, I have no idea why. I mean, I don't. I just don't get it. I, you know, why'd you get him then? Did you just bring in Gronkowski to, you know, placate the uh, quarterback? Is that was it? You just wanted to make uh, Brady happy that his buddy was on the team? I don't. I'm not into friends. Okay, uh, on the team, I don't need friends. I need guys that produce. I mean, can you imagine uh, Belichick? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign this guy because he's friends with him. Like it would never happen. I, you know, I, at least I don't think it would. I, this is business. This is football. This is NFL. This is no joke. This is no game. Friendships, buddies, pals. Are you kidding me? That's just not part of the equation. So they finally threw the ball to Gronkowski last week, and he caught a touchdown. But uh, in my opinion, they don't throw to him enough. If I had a guy that good, you, you can say whatever you want about Gronk, but. The proof's in the pudding. The guy's a badass. And if you throw the ball to him, he catches it. That's it. He makes catches. He makes plays. He scores. You can count on him in, you know, third and short, third and medium range. He'll go over to uh, underneath or over the line and, and make a catch and get you your first down. In the red zone, he'll score touchdowns. That's it. So I think that. My feeling is, is that this is just a guess that uh, Brady was seeing Godwin out. Evans had some problems. Arians doesn't seem to want to throw it to the tight ends. They already lost Howard, right? So, you know, they're using a backup tight end and they're using uh, uh, Broad as one. And then, uh, and then they bring in Gronk now. And so now they're throwing to him. But what I think Brady wants is obviously a guy like Brown. You bring a guy like Brown into the mix, whether the you know players like it or not is irrelevant. 
it doesn't matter. These are, you know, grown men, big boys. This is professional football. This isn't, uh, I, you know, I can't believe they brought him in. He's a head case. Listen, the guy, he may very well be a head case. That's fine. Call him whatever you want. But the bottom line is, um, and I know some people wouldn't agree with this, but he's better than all of them. I mean, that's just the simple facts. Antonio Brown is better than everyone they've got. <laughs> that's it. He's better than Evans. He's better than Godwin. He's better than all of them. He's better than Gronkowski. He's better than all of them. And nobody wants to admit it because he was such a troublemaker and a problem and, you know, a malcontent and an egomaniac and selfish, all the rest. And uh, he's got mental problems, whatever you want to call it. But when he plays football, like he had all those problems when he played for the Patriots, he scored a touchdown in five seconds. He was on the field like literally for, for two minutes and he was in the end zone with the ball. Brady knows talent when he sees it and when he smells it. That guy will get open and you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. That, that's the deal. And, you know, I watched guys like Evan Ingram last night. You know, they throw him a floater on, on third down. Jones throws him a floater. It hits him right in the hands. I don't care what anybody says. It hits you in the fingers, hits you in the hands. You got to make the catch. He didn't catch it. Not only that, he didn't lay out for it. He just was running. He's like, oh, I can't reach it. And then he didn't make the catch. He makes that catch. The game's over, right? Well, I guarantee you, Antonio Brown would have made that catch. You know, it, it's simple. He's as good as, as Nuke Hopkins. Your boy Brown, will, he'll catch everything you throw at him. It's like he's got glue on his hands. Louisiana just scored, by the way, 20 to 16 uh, extra point pending. But they moved down and scored on UAB. So my thing is, is that Brown is just spectacular. Now, people say um, he's shot. Says who? You know, the bottom line is he hasn't had a job. So. You know, I can see people saying Des Bryant is shot and then Baltimore picks him up, whatever. If they did, I don't even know if they brought him on the uh, practice squad. That was the story yesterday that Des Bryant was going to be on the Ravens, whatever it is. And uh, he's a guy that hasn't played football in a while. Okay, so I get it that Brown hasn't either. But most of that is, in in my opinion, uh, suspension related. So. Now he's done with all that. This guy's going to play in week nine. Uh, you know, this is uh, week seven. I guess they're going to have him back maybe week eight. But I, I'm, I'm hearing like I, I think he gets back for week nine. So I think his first game will be against uh, the Saints is what I'm seeing. And um, I think in the next two weeks, he's just going to gear up, get ready. And then when he starts playing, I think it'll take all of about five seconds for that guy to start lighting it up with Brady. Brady, I mean, are you kidding me? Do you remember when he had uh, when they had Randy Moss? That's what this is going to be like. Just throw it deep to Brown and he'll score touchdowns and that'll be that. I was looking in the church. Shout out to the church. They are all talking about Antonio Brown. A lot of them anyway. And um, one guy, uh, Matt, said, uh, Bruce Arians found out if you bring in Brady as your quarterback, he runs the show. You got that right. So I don't think Arians wanted this guy. I know, you know, in March he didn't want him. So 
But I think it's simple. You can't deny uh, this guy's ability. Uh, so I, I understand, you know, all the complaints about him. I've already elaborated on that. But the deal is this. Like, at some point, he paid the piper, didn't he? Like, at some point, he, you know, he, you know, he paid his penance. He did his time. He's been suspended. He got, you know, the league came down on him. Uh, he's basically dealt with his uh, off-field problems with the courts and uh, with his kids, his baby mamas, his, all his problems, throwing the furniture off the, you know, condo roof. Uh, he's he's dealt with all that stuff. Like, I mean, has he not, like, you know, basically, you know, cleaned up his issues? At some level, he's done that. And then he, you know, did his time for the league, and now he's free to play football. One of the things that you're talking about here is this is not a guy that, in my opinion, you know, this is not a drug user, a guy that uh, keeps failing drug tests and it gets thrown out of the league. And, uh, you know, this isn't Josh Gordon all over again or any of these other guys, Gregory and all these guys. Alden Smith was thrown out forever. Now he's back and he's, you know, found God or something because he's been a good boy uh, and he's behaved and he's uh, playing well for the most part for Dallas. Like everybody said, you know, he's been the model citizen and he's done his job uh, rushing a quarterback, even though that defense of the Cowboys is terrible and they're giving up 36 points a game, whatever it is, they're awful. Arizona kicked their ass on Monday night. But I mean, you know, what are you going to say about Brown? I mean, he's, he's not a, a junkie. He's not a, a guy that uh, misses chunks of the season on drug suspensions. And, you know, uh, obviously he had issues and problems. I think all self-inflicted mafia. Uh, what do you think of him? Like you can't, I, I don't know if it was you that said that to me last night or somebody said it to me that uh, you don't think he's a, uh, was it you that said it? You don't think he's a good player anymore? No, no, we hadn't, that, didn't have that discussion at all. I mean, I think the guy could actually absolutely play. We'll have to see what he's in, you know, game shape wise. Cause it's different. Just, working out and doing those things, actually getting on the field and playing, taking hits, things like that. I mean, the guy, act, you know, he has talent. It's just he's a liability, and you don't know how long he's going to be out there, whether it's, you know, everyone gets injured, like we've seen with that whole receiving core that they had, that everyone talked about how great all their receivers are and how all the talent they have, and none of those guys are staying on the field. That's the problem. That's the reason why they have to go get A.B. But it's, you know, they stay out of trouble for a while now, and we'll see how long that lasts because there was a lot of stuff right in a row there where it just didn't seem like he was getting it. Didn't seem like he realized the gravity of stuff and thought he'd get away with anything. So we'll have to see if he can keep his stuff together now. But he's not a guy that uh, that I remember being injured all the time. He's he's a guy that plays every week. No, he's not a guy that's been injured before. But as, as you get older, that's when the body starts to break down more quickly, more easily. And if you haven't well, taken fair. those hits to build that up, you know. I mean, fair you enough, know, but. But he hasn't had that happen to him yet. I mean, his problems have not been age or injuries. His problem has been uh, his behavior uh, in the uh, organization and and on and off the field. He's been a malcontent at work. And then off the field, he's been a lunatic. And he acts like some, you know, guy with hundreds of millions of dollars. And he can get away with anything he wants. And he's just basically acted like a tool. He's acted like a um, narcissistic tool, like a guy that just thinks he's above everybody and above the law and that he can 
do whatever he wants to anybody. Baby mamas, people that argue with him, neighbors. He's had issues with everybody. But uh, that has nothing to do with, and I, I won't deny it, but there's been a lot of bad guys in the NFL over the years, right? This goes on and on and on. We could do a laundry list of guys that have uh, off-field problems or uh, that have problems with the cops or have problems with drugs or have problems with the league or have failed drug tests, right? Or, you know, uh, steroids or whatever else, uh, PDs, anything. There's been guys, you know, guns, uh, you know, the weapons guys. We've had everything. You've had um, wife beaters, you name it. But he has, he's no different than any of them, right? So, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to pure football, just erase everything else off the chalkboard. If you just look at X's and O's about him playing football, the guy's dynamic. I mean, he has been. Well, first of all, in, you know, from 2010 until now, I guarantee he's had the most uh, productivity of any receiver in the NFL. Hands down. I mean, uh, who's better than him? Like, I've heard all this. I can tell Julio Jones, he's injured every year. He's got more problems with his legs. He's in the red zone. He never scored. Antonio Brown never had that problem. Antonio Brown scored touchdowns. <laughs> Antonio Brown was in the end zone with the ball every week, dancing every week. When he was playing with Roethlisberger and the Steelers, he'd scored every week. And, and he put up gigantic seasons in Pittsburgh. Gigantic. He was the best receiver in the NFL. And then he lost his mind, right? He got too big for his britches. And he started, you know, upsetting the Roonies, upsetting Tomlin upsetting teammates and he started having meltdowns on the sideline and started acting like OBJ bottom line. He started losing his mind. Uh, but when he was not that guy, when he was just pure wide receiver player baller, he was the best receiver in the NFL hands down, not even close. I don't even, I, I mean it. Like, I know people are going to tell me Julio Jones and all this other stuff. You know, I, I'm not listening to it. You know, I'm, I'm not having it. Because the bottom line is, I, I don't deny Julio Jones is great and is mega talented and is unbelievable and everything else. But he's got so many injury problems and he's had so many unproductive games where he just doesn't. Like they don't throw him the ball in the red zone. That's not his fault, but he's not scoring touchdowns, right? And at some level, that I mean, if I have a guy like that on my team, I'm gonna. It, he's got to be in the end zone with the ball in his hands, scoring touchdowns. That's it. It's simple. If I'm in a red zone, I'm gonna throw it to him. You know, eighty percent of the time. And you know, nowadays in the NFL, if you are the man, you're gonna get mauled. You're going to get mauled going into the red zone, into the end zone. You're going to get mauled, you know, post, corner, fade, whatever, uh, over the shoulder. You're going to get mauled. So if you throw to him every time, you're going to get flags because these refs throw flags more than they eat food. Okay. So if you're the number one receiver, you're going to get attention. You're going to get doubled. You're going to get mauled. You're going to get flags. You're going to get the ball. I throw to uh, Julio Jones every single time I'm down there. You wonder why the uh, Falcons suck. They never throw it to him. 
I mean, this guy, Ryan, throws it to everybody on the – I'm surprised he doesn't throw it to the owner. Is Arthur Blank standing down on the field in the corner? Throw him the ball because they don't throw it to Jones enough for me. If I'm the coach of the Falcons, I throw it to that guy 25 times a game. I don't know. What are you waiting for? I mean, you're one at five. You suck. Why wouldn't you throw to him? If he's, if he's healthy again, you throw him the ball. Now, I guarantee you. The Buccaneers did not sign Antonio Brown to not get him the rock. Tom Brady is going to look where that guy is every single time he drops back. <laughs> That'll be that. Mafia, you can't even argue it anymore. There's, I'm not even trying to be right or argue with anybody. This guy has produced more than any receiver in the NFL over the last 10 years. That's all there is to it. And, and now he's been out of the league because of problems, but he's coming back in. And I don't think he's lost a step, and I guarantee he hasn't lost his ability with his hands. And this boils down to a simple factor. Is he going to lose his mind? Can he shut his mouth, and can he just play football and be a receiver? I think, I truly believe now, back in the day when his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, was dealing with his painful ass, he would have had this conversation with him like, bro, you're losing every job you got. No, people are sick and tired of your act. It's over for you. You have no jobs left. I mean, you are running out of teams. You will not get a paycheck in the NFL ever again as long as you live. So I hope you enjoyed all that money you make because you're never playing in the NFL again. You know they've had that conversation. You know it, Mafia. And this guy knows going into this job at Tampa, if he's not a choir boy, he's finished in the NFL. This will be the last job he ever has. He needs to go out and catch passes and score touchdowns and get up and go right back to the huddle. No more BS. No more sideshows, no more freak shows, no more temper tantrums, no more off-field BS. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You are right about his talent, too, because otherwise he wouldn't be getting this chance. This isn't just his second chance. This is, you know, what, fifth chance? You know, all the stuff that he's done, there's no way he would not he'd be back on the field if he wasn't as talented as he is, if he wasn't one of the best guys still out there catching the ball. And you know Tom Brady will get it to him. You know, if he's out there, if he has weapons, he'll find them. How many times did, you know, he's not going to force it like some of these other quarterbacks and try to force in double, triple coverage and, you know, just get picked off and things like that. But he finds his best players all the time. How many times did he get it to Gronk and Edelman and Amendola? Like those guys, when they're open, he found them. You know, Welker, like if he likes somebody, he thinks they're good, he'll find them. Like you said, it took, what, two you know, not even a game of him playing in New England, probably five minutes of him getting, you know, five plays maybe of him being on the field with Tom Brady before Brady found him in the end zone. So I agree with you. Brady was probably part of this saying, listen, I know this guy is talented. I know this guy can get it done. We can get him on the cheap probably. And, you know, Corona, I mean, maybe not in Florida because everything seems to be open, but I would say, you know, coronavirus probably helps him actually stay out of trouble because he can't go anywhere. But then again, Florida is completely open. So maybe that's not a great place for him to have signed and might put him in danger. But I think that, you know, he's got to keep his head straight. And if he does, he can be absolutely a factor and that can make that team a lot better because the guy has talent. It's not that the guy is, you know, by any means declining. It's that he was a moron and a head case and a jerk. So if he can keep that in check like he has this last eight, ten months, then maybe we can see him actually be good in the NFL for another year or two. He's had everything. He's been he's he's been accused of sexual misconduct, civil lawsuits. Uh, he's countersued people. He's had battery, uh, burglary battery charges uh, for an altercation with a delivery truck driver. The guy has been uh, basically a menace to society. But, you know, I, what's amazing to me is uh, the power play by Brady over Arians. 
And people are already commenting on it because Arian said it wasn't happening. This guy's not going to be on the Buccaneers in March. And now, all summer long, Brady pushed for Brown. And and now, in uh, whatever, the week of Farrelloween, uh, you know, the week before Farrelloween, they... Uh, they give a deal to Antonio Brown, and he's going to play in Week Nine against the Saints. And I guarantee you, uh, Bruce Arians got power played by the front office and by Tom Brady. What Tom Brady wants, Tom Brady gets. It doesn't matter what Bruce Arians thinks. And I'll tell you another thing: he doesn't want to throw to tight ends. Brady needs to just keep throwing it to Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, and and then I truly believe. And I've already said this on on Coast to Coast that I think they're winning that division. Uh, what they did to the Packers is all you need to know that they are capable of being in the NFC Championship game. The Buccaneers have a great defense. They got Brady. They got Brown to go with a cachet of great receivers. And they got Gronk. And they got Arians. What more do they need? They got a great coaching staff, a great team, a great quarterback, great defense. I mean, they might go all the way now. So uh, I just wanted to see, because I had said that, you know, since 2010, when he came into the league, I said he's the best receiver in the NFL. And then I wanted to just see if I was crazy. So I looked up, uh, you know, a few, uh, you know, sources to see the rankings of the best receivers uh, in the last 10 years. And the very first one I went to said he was the number one receiver and Julio Jones was number two. And it's as simple as that. So, uh in terms of, and this is just one, right? So I'm just giving you the the first one that I saw. It was Brown one, Jones two, Megatron three, Larry Fitzgerald four, Nook Hopkins five, AJ Green six, Dez seven, OBJ eight, T.Y. Hilton nine, and Mike Thomas ten. But I mean, you know, if you did it over the last, you know, five years, I think you'd start getting some changes to that because Brown, you know, lost his mind. And I think now you're going to see people say Mike Thomas. They're going to say Julio Jones. They're, you know, I don't honestly, I I think Beckham's just loaded with talent. I think the guy's got extreme uh, talent and great hands and he's a baller for sure. But he's never amounted to a hill of beans with the Giants or the Browns yet. I mean, a couple of the games I've seen him have for the Browns this year, he's been phenomenal. The best I've ever seen him play because I never really saw much of that, in my opinion, in New York with the Giants. I saw a lot of annex and fights and uh, displays of immaturity and ridiculous stuff of, you know, taking a leak in the end zone or, or uh, getting married to a kicking net on the sideline. He's a, a a freak for attention is all he was. And if he would have ever just, you know, in my opinion, just grown up and been a professional, like acted like a pro, I think he'd be the best receiver in the league. But since he's such a uh, immature brat, uh, he's never amounted to a hill of beans. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.